Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton, and happy Tuesday, guys. We have a big week ahead of us. Michigan State plays Iowa. Where do I start today? Do I start with the Pistons? Do I start with Michigan State? Or do I start with Harbaugh? Let's see. I think I'm going to start with Harbaugh today. The University of Michigan is disgraceful. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat this at all because there's, there's no point to do so. I think it's ridiculous. The guy's facing level one violations, and you're going to sit here and give him a little check in and a little extension in it because your president's a fanboy. The only guy in the athletic department, and he's just as bad, is that's not doing anything about it. And he's like, I'm not part of this. I don't want to have anything to do with Harbaugh anymore. It's Ward Manual. He knows. Michigan fans are going to be like, oh, fuck Ward Manual. He knows Harbaugh has no leverage because the NFL doesn't want him. Why would you give him that extension? The NFL doesn't want you. Every year he wants to leave. If you want to work in my program, you need to commit to the program. And he hasn't done that. It's disgraceful to the program. Ward Manuel knows that he's not committed to the program. End of the story. But your little president's a little fanboy. They're facing level one violations. Say what you want about it. Say hamburger, say whatever. But it's still a level one violation. He's going to get suspended. Probably for a couple games. And you're going to sign the check. You know, when Michigan fans, when Zach Smith and the Urban Meyer thing came out, Urban Meyer's the world's biggest piece of shit. Urban Meyer's the worst man in the world. Urban Meyer knew about this and didn't do anything about it because he's so bad. I state to fire him because he's such a horrible man. He's such a despicable human being for knowing about a sexual assault and just covering it up. And, you know, you heard that from every Michigan fan that entire season and the next season after he left. When you guys play a guy in a gun charge the entire season that Harbaugh knew about, and he was sitting on a charge all year and continued to play him. The glitch. That's the type of character you're teaching at U of M. Donovan Edwards says a racist remark on Twitter. Calls it a glitch. But you actually have to tap the retweet button. For the retweet, there was no glitch. You knew what you were doing, and you still faced reporters and said that instead of just apologizing. No suspension there. Because anti-Semitism's okay in the program there for some reason. Don't know why. Maybe because Jim Harbaugh's a nice little Christian man. And then you have Matt Weiss facing computer charges which the media says nothing about. Dude, the police had a warrant and raided Schembechler Hall. He's facing level one violations himself for lying to investigators. And amongst all that, the president of the university wants to extend him. 
you're telling me police raiding Schembechler Hall isn't like this massive story that's not flying on every single headline on SportsCenter? Because that would be the top thing on SportsCenter if that happens at Michigan State. Top thing if it happened at Texas. Top thing if that happened at Alabama. But at the University of Michigan, when something bad happens to them, it just disappears. And their fans still back this guy. This guy is one, could say one of the most despicable things in the whole world. And Michigan fans will twist it in a way to make Harbaugh into this really good person and how he did nothing wrong. And I'm not mentioning inside the athletic department. I'm not mentioning Michigan basketball and all the issues with Jawan Howard and everything that's come attached to that. I'm not a, talking about the issues that's gone on with Michigan hockey. I'm not talking about the coaching circus every year about Jim Harbaugh and how they buy into this every year. But you can't tell me as an outsider looking in that this isn't an institutional issue. This is the LSU of the Midwest right now. This is the Auburn of the Midwest right now. It's horrible what's going on at Michigan and how it just disappears and Michigan fans just try to downplay it and, and think it's okay to play a guy with a gun charge. But, you know, when, when a guy starts a fight inside a tunnel, and yeah, I'm going to go there today. Harbaugh will tarnish the characters of eight men who made a mistake. You haven't made a mistake in your life. Everybody's made a mistake. Those eight guys that were in the fight after a game, they made a mistake. That's not their character. That doesn't define who they are. But Harbaugh still went on the mic knowing that Mozzie Smith had a gun felony charge attached to him. They tried to tarnish their reputation and wanted them convicted to the loft at the fullest degree because of a fight that happened at a football game. That honestly, it's so wrong what goes on with the Michigan Athletic Department. Because when Tom Izzo yells at a kid in March Madness, oh, Tom Izzo's the worst human being in the world. Tom Izzo's despicable. Tom Izzo's a piece of shit. Oh, my God. You know, and you see that headline? Like, well, the game in March Madness two years ago. You saw the Gabe Brown incident? Headline after headline after headline after headline on every single Detroit news station, on every single national news station, all the way up to ESPN, Oh, with the Stephen A. Smith talking about it for, for 20 minutes. You have the Undisputed talking about him for 20 minutes. You know how Tom Izzo's been doing this for 30 years and has done the same thing as an old-style coaching because this generation's too soft. When Mel Tucker poses with pit bulls, Michigan fans call him every racial slur in the book. When he smokes a cigar, every racial slur in the book. You don't see the problem here? You don't see the issue here? I mean, this this is this is a pretty big issue, and it's so wrong how the media treats Michigan, but how the media will treat Michigan State. It's bad. I mean, it's as bad as it gets. But I want to move on to some Michigan State basketball while we're on the topic of Michigan State, and I mean, it's the same thing I've said all year. You needed the center play. You needed to address it. Point blank, end of the story, done. You don't have a star. 
you know, honestly, Tyson's starting to develop into a star, but is Tyson all that right now? Like, is Tyson going to sit there and take over a game all by himself and win it all by himself? He hasn't done that yet. I mean, he's had a few big shots in his career, but he's never just put a team on his back the way Cassius did, the way like a, like Miles Bridges did, the way Jaron Jackson did. Nobody on his team has that like dog in them to just step up and make a big play. Very frustrating. Mati Sissoko is not a good big man. He's just not. This is below average as it comes. Jackson Kohler, not ready to play yet. Carson Cooper, yeah, he's getting better. Same with Kohler, but they're not starters at the Division One level, let alone Big Ten level. You know, they probably play good minutes at a school like Western Michigan, but they're as a freshman, but they're not ready for Big Ten ball. And they're coming in and they're forced to play minutes and they're doing a decent job. I mean, they're holding their own to the best of their ability. Like, I can't sit there and get pissed off at Carson Cooper and Jackson Kohler right now because they're trying and they're at least trying to get better. But this program, I just don't like the way it's being ran right now. Because I think that if you just try to add a few pieces this past offseason on the transfer portal, this would have been a completely different season. In a year that nobody's good. I mean, nobody. Purdue, I mean, we lost to them by one and should have won that game. That's your number one team right now. Houston, I don't think they're that good. Like, they're good. What if Michigan State added a guy like Terrence Shannon and added a big man? Like, like they could honestly be the number one team in the country right now. But we sat back there and did nothing. And we're going to be in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten playing with teams like like – the Big Ten's going to finish like this because I think Indiana's starting to catch fire and they're going to stay on fire because of Trace Jackson Davis. The Big Ten's going to be Ohio State at one, Indiana at two, and then there's going to be a large drop-off to the teams like Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa, Rutgers, Illinois, Wisconsin. You're going to see like those six teams teether around the same record-ish. When it's all said and done, I mean, the Big Ten's garbage. The rest of the nation's garbage. And we sat there, we could have been the team to beat with two fifth-year senior transfers. And you still would be able to get your guys next year. That's the thing. You could have brought in two fifth-year seniors and still be able to fill in your roster next year, which makes no sense to me. I mean, I said before the game, if Trace Jackson Davis dogs you, you're going to get killed. Well, guess what? 31 points on you? What was this, 15 or 16 boards? Absolutely atrocious. Just horrible basketball. And it wasn't like everybody was killing you in that game either. Galloway had a great game. You know, they had their shooters going. But the moral of the story is letting up 31 points to a big in college basketball is disgraceful. And that has nothing to do with Sissoko, McCuller, Cooper. All that, all that has to do with the three of them is they weren't ready to play. They weren't ready to get big minutes and big time play. That's then that falls back on Izzo. My Sissoko backs up a guy like Nick Costello senior year, or backs up Nick Ward, or backs up a guy like Xavier Tillman. It's a very good player. 
we're, we're talking about Madi Sissoko being a breakout player going into his COVID year if he took it. If they brought in a true center this year, Sissoko's your backup center. I think we're talking about Sissoko as a very good player. But the problem is that falls on Izzo for not getting the right roster configured. I mean, Jay Aikens, I've sat here all year and said the guy's going to start playing good basketball, and he has. Jay Aikens is playing very good basketball right now. He had a great game. Shot pretty much almost perfect from the field in that game. Very impressed with basketball Jay Aikens is playing. But I'm just at the point where it's like this bench is like you're pulling teeth to find somebody that can score. Carson Cooper, not a scorer. Jackson Kohler, I mean, he's getting there, but he's not really a scorer yet. He's not athletic enough to be an elite scorer. Malik Hall's hurt. Practice today. Hopefully he's back soon. But he's not really healthy much. Trey Holloman, who doesn't want to score the ball ever, but I, I see some potential growth in him for the future. I do see a potential with him on this team. And then you have Whitens, who's a walk-on. You have Pierre Brooks. And Pierre Brooks, is you just know he's missing it every time he, shoot, he touches the ball. I'm just going to say in the nicest way, like you know it's not going in. It sucks because I just think he he has one big game, turns it up against a team like Iowa in the next couple of games. Turns it up, drops 15, goes four for five, five for five from three, has himself a game. I mean, we're sitting here in a month talking about how he's found this confidence, he figured it out, and he's a good basketball player, which is very well possible with him. But if he doesn't have that big game that can just inflict a little bit of confidence into him, there's no future with him at MSU basketball. Seriously. Because I think he was ready to play this year. I'm not going to sit here and dispute the fact that he going in. I mean, even if you had depth, he'd still be your eighth or ninth man on a good team right now. Going into the season. But he's virtually unplayable right now. And... It's just a confidence thing at the end of the day. If you play basketball, you know. If you come in, shoot 0 for 4, 0, 1 for 6, 0 for 3 every game for a month and a half. Like, you know, coming in, like, the mindset is, like, I know I'm going to miss the shot. If I've, if I've been missing for a month and a half, it's very hard to sit there and be like, that ball is 100% going in. You're We're all human, man. You just need one game out of him where he's just going to shoot the ball really well. And that I think that's going to ignite him the rest of the season. But that has to come soon. Because if it doesn't happen soon, I mean, this year you're going to get your minutes. Trust me, there's going to be no minutes there for you next year. Cone Carr can just jump right in and probably do better. The progression of this team is very concerning. And it all rides on Holgar is what it's coming down to at the end of the day. If Holgar has a bad game, the team loses. Holgar has a big game, they win. That, plain and simple. You need Holgar to play well, and if Holgar doesn't, you lose. Too bad, well, you're going to lose. I mean, right now, you look at Holgar's game against IU. They lost 11 points. Shooting two for eight from the field, 0 for two from three. 
with three fouls, two assists, two rebounds. They lost the game. He's shot two for eight. Rutgers gets 16 and seven, a four of 10 shooting, three of five from three. They win the game. He turns it over three times against Illinois in the second half. They lose. I mean, if Hogarth's playing a big game, you're going to win. If Hogarth plays like shit, you're going to lose. And unfortunately, I mean, being point guard of this team, I'm hoping by March, you know, he's showing up every game down the stretch. But it's frustrating right now when it's just up and down and up and down. And I mean, the ups, they stay up for one game and then you don't know what you're getting the next game. After the Rutgers game, you're like, hopefully this team shows up against Indiana, and they don't. They have a big game against Nebraska. They show up against Michigan, and and they play horrible. Yeah, they won the game, but Michigan's an awful team. You're watching Michigan State hoops play against. You watch them play Wisconsin. They they win a great. They play a great complete game against Wisconsin. The next game they show up, and they get popped in the mouth. To Illinois on the road after blowing, you know, a big lead. And the biggest thing lately that is why you're losing these games and you guys are going to sit there and blame the refs. You guys always do that. It pisses me off. You want to know why they're losing? They're up nine points in the first half against Indiana. They have four or five possessions to score. They have four or five possessions to make a play and go up double digits and basically put the game away because then you control the game the rest of the way when you're up 11. One, you're up 12 points. But you sit there and you turn it over multiple times or you miss open threes. And you're losing games because you can't put the dagger in somebody's heart right away in the game and take them out of the game completely, especially on the road. It is crucial to take these teams out of games. Illinois, you were up like, what, eight or nine with eight or nine minutes to go? And you had like, what, four or five chances to put the dagger in the heart and you just did it? Same thing, Indiana on the first half, you had a chance to take them completely out of the arena. You could have taken everybody out of Assembly Hall had you hit a three. Had you just sat there and gone up 11, even. That that arena's empty, it's deflated. Indiana's deflated, that's the game. But you know what? You sat there and turned it over three times or four times, and you let them hit a shot because you played just horrible basketball. Because we have these stretches where we look like a team that can play pretty damn well even in March. And then we have these stretches where it's like, what is this team? I, I mean, this is just the nicest way of saying it. You have these stretches, and the lows are just so low. The lows are just so low with this team. And that's your issue right there. The highs, I mean, you have a very short high with this team where it's like they look like they're going to be very good. Like the Rutgers game was a very short high with this team. The Wisconsin game, same thing. Kentucky, we found out now they're garbage, and we barely beat them. It's just bad basketball every night. Bad basketball, bad basketball, bad basketball. It's very unimpressive. I want to go into some Pistons talk. You you go back from Paris after I sat there and said it was one of the worst games played in in my life in recent history. I'm going to take that statement back. That box game was hands down the worst basketball game ever. Now, yeah, you're playing the box. And you know you're going to lose. I mean, come on. You're the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, you name the good team. They come to LCA. And, like, these dudes are sorry. Any good team in the NBA, they come in the LCA right away. Like, think of the mindset of some of these players, right? They're going to come in there. They're going to be like, well, these dudes are sorry. We're going to come in there. We're going to blow them out. 
they they know it before. These dudes suck. Dora come in there. We're going 30 piece time. They're not going to play defense. We're going to win. We're going to go home. We're going to hit the clubs. We're going to have a fun time while we're out here. We're going to hit Ace Spade. When we get late, I'm going to leave. They all know they're going to get their 30 ball. They're all going to hit Ace of Spades. They're all going to go home to their hotel. Every single person comes to Detroit doing that. You know it's going to happen. They come in there and do it every night, and the Pistons are no better because the Pistons don't look like they're even trying anymore. They know they're going to lose. So you have these guys that know they're going to win and just kill you, and you have a team that just knows they're going to go away and they're going to lose every night. And last night, you want to talk about how Dwayne Casey probably, if he had any locker room before last night, it's gone now. That's a game that's a fireable offense. That's a fireable game. It's a game that you have lost every everybody. Now, will Troy Weaver do it midseason? No, because I don't think he has the balls to do it. But they honestly need to head in the direction of potentially firing Casey right now, cutting it loose because you have no locker room anymore. I mean, you just saw 49 points in the first quarter. I don't care how bad you are. So let up 49 points in a quarter is some of the most sorry shit I've seen in my entire life. And that's me keeping it in the nicest way possible. I, I And I've sat there, I'm very fair. I'm very, very fair. But what I'm seeing with the Pistons right now is just losing and a losing culture being built. You guys can argue that all you want. You say, well, you know, you don't have Kate, so can't call it a losing culture. I'm saying it as it is. This year, you're not going to win more than 25 games again. So you're about to go three straight seasons with sub-25 wins. You're going to sit here and you're going to tell me that there's not a losing culture being built here. You got to give a new coach a chance to, to fix this. You got to give Kate Cunningham his chance to fix this. But right now, what is going on is just horrible. Just horrible, to say the least. And I'm so ready to just pull the plug midseason. And I was fairly against this about two months ago, pulling the plug midseason. I... I after, you know, last night, there's just no locker room there. There's zero. It's very apparent. They got back from France, and they don't care anymore. And there's nobody in this locker room that could ignite something. And don't tell me Boyan can. Don't tell me Burks can. Don't tell me New Orleans Noel can. None of these young guys can ignite a locker room, and none of the vets care enough. And that's just the nicest way of stating it. Nobody's going to ignite this locker room. The coach can't. The assistants can't. Something's got to ignite them. you, you got to fire Casey at this point. Maybe, maybe that wakes them up a little bit. Because at some point, you got to start winning games. I'm sorry, but at some point, you do. And at this point in the season, I'm cool losing games for, for Wemby. But, you know, it's just you don't get Wemby or Brandon Miller. What? What's next? Like, seriously, like Cam Whitmore is not going to make you any better. Can't go guard because you have a million of them already. So, I mean, what if you're not at one, two, or three? What, what do you do? Like, I'm being dead serious with that question. Because you're basically screwed at that point. Got to give Kate a chance to fix this. But by God, it's just as bad as it's ever been. And I know a lot of it has to do with the preseason hype and everything. And everybody, I, I said 33 wins and we're not even going to get the 25. And yeah, I think I have a right to be very upset and disappointed. But I mean, who would have thought Kate Cunningham would go down? And the eleventh game of the year. It's just very, very hard season. But I will be back on 
tomorrow with Matt Wolf. He's going to come on. We're going to talk about his little trip to Paris for the Pistons game. That like real story about him, really good article. I will post it in the link in the comment box on tomorrow's episode, but potentially Michigan State special coming out Thursday. So I will see you guys tomorrow.